life. Are you growing with it or feeling left out? Either way or in between, you're in the right place today with the host of Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice, Jillian. She's an award-winning author and radio personality. She's warm, she's fuzzy, and she's got an attitude. Welcome. It is the summertime, and I hope you all are out there enjoying the good weather that comes with summer. But, you know, I decided that I'd do a little work over this summer. I usually take a little time off, but I thought, no, I think this time I'm going to do something I haven't done before in a series I'm calling Summer Series with Jillian. And as I was putting the whole thing together, I thought about, you know, over the last couple of years, I've created a great platform for hundreds of talented teachers, mentors, and artists to share their expertise and advice with all of us. But you know what? When I was thinking about this whole series, I forgot one person (laughs) in the mix. I forgot about me. And I'm not saying that in an egotistical way. I'm just saying in a way that many of you have been asking to know more about me and who and what I do and how I tick and little nuances and things and my backstory of how I got to where I'm at now and the people and process that took me here to where I am now. So I forgot about myself along the way. So for this summer series, I'm going to be doing several different shows, including intuition and leadership development and why it's necessary, the difference between intuition and psychic, intuition in your physical and mental health, and intuition among friends. And including friends, I thought I would do this with another sidekick friend of mine that's been on my show off and on, and you enjoy it when she shows up every time. And her name is Delilah Jones. Hi, Delilah. Hi, Jillian. This is this is going to be so fun. I think summertime is a great time to be on the air because the, with the, with technology today, people can take you anywhere, anytime, and listen to the shows. Uh, you can put it, listen on your phone, listen on an iPad, anywhere. Take it to the beach, and you've got a, you've got information coming at you. Um, and I think that we're going to have a lot of fun with this. I I was internally laughing when you said they're going to get to take me everywhere. <laughs> Yes, you're on everyone's vacation. Are you talking in the shower, in the bathroom? Oh, I Uh shudder to think in the car. Now, in the car is nice because I got a nice ride, and you know I love being in my ride. So listening to myself and anybody else on uh, the radio, it is the Internet, the blog talk has really changed the kind of listening that we all do. So this first hour, I want to talk about really who I am and why people need to understand my story to give credibility. So where do you want to start? you have any ideas? Well, I think, you know, if if we don't have time to get it all in, people can pick up your book, Beyond the Pews, because your story is written so well in there. But, yeah, I think... 
you know, maybe tell listeners at what age you felt like you were becoming intuitive or what was it like? What did you see, feel, hear um, that was a little bit different to you um, and, and started your questioning and maybe, you know, explain to the listeners what does intuitive mean? That's a great question. You know, now because the word intuitive when I started years ago was like an underground word for a lot of people, and people really didn't understand it. And the other day I was in my car, in my car again, listening to something, and the word intuition was put in some, I don't know, some radio uh, advertisement about radio sounds or something. And so it's become such a commonplace word And I do consider myself an intuitive, not a psychic, and we'll go into that in the next couple episodes down. But I think what I want to tell people about myself and in the story Beyond the Pews, I talk about an empathic sensing what I had around myself that was very heightened. And it was different than everybody else's, but I didn't really realize that till I got older and that I could sense things around me that was more hypersensitive to energy and in tune with what was going on in every aspects of my life. For those of you that don't know, I grew up in the church and I, I really believe that that had a huge impact on the sensitivity that I had towards others so I could start feeling the sensing and the energy of others at a very young age. And in the book, I talk about specific observations that I made when I was young and how it went into adulthood. And I think at this point, I've realized that it's a part of who I am and it's really hard to separate being an empathic. And what I mean by being empathic is that I can sense everything that's going on around me. Now, what people don't understand is that I don't necessarily am in that space all the time. I've learned how to control it and use it for the good of myself and others. But I've learned that intuition is a part of everyone, but because I've made it as a profession, it seems more centered in my life. And I've gotten to the place now where I don't see it any different as being an accountant, a lawyer, a doctor, somebody that has a service to share with other people. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes perfect sense. But, you know, is it a, is it a thing where if someone walks in a room, you it's not like sitting down and reading tea leaves or palm you know, someone's palm and and foretelling the future like a gypsy fortune teller. And I think there again, there's so many misunderstandings as to how this whole process works. And that, like you say, you've been able to control it. You've been able to come to the point where I guess maybe sometimes you can just turn it off. Is that true? Yeah, I I think the difference between other people that I can't speak for what other people do, but yes, I've learned to channel that energy and that intuitive sensitivity towards what's going on in people's lives or beyond that 
in certain blocks. So in other words, I can turn it on and I can turn it off. And yeah, to answer your question, yes. If I want to sense somebody coming into a a room around me, now everyone has that kind of sense. And we've talked about that on air a lot about, you know, when you're in a situation and something doesn't feel right inside of you. You can't explain it, but you come against, you meet somebody or you get in a situation and something inside of you just turns up the energy that says, you know what, I'm not safe, I'm not this, I'm not that. It's like that, but amplify it 10 times. And sort so, of like follow your gut instinct for, you know, a layman's point of view. Absolutely. And when you start paying attention to that stuff, it, it really helps your life. But for myself, because I've been that way my entire life, I don't know how to not live in that zone. I think that's what people don't understand. I've learned to control it and learn to turn it on and off when I need it, but I don't know any other way of life. Exactly. So it's basically part of your normal. I think, you know, as children growing up, we all in our family dynamics, whatever it is we're growing up with is our normal and it's all individual. So I can see where, yes, this would be part of your normal growing up and going also into adulthood. Yeah, and I think it's a profession that calls you. I think everyone you know, has that, that question they ask at some point in life, you know, what, follow your passion and do what you want to do as your career. And I've, I've, I'm not kidding, Delilah. I have gone over this a million times in my head trying to figure out at what point did I say, yes, this is my profession, this is what I'm here to teach the world, and this is what I'm here to give back to others. I've racked my brain for years when I was in college getting my degree in psychology is when it really started honing in on, wait a minute, I think this is where I'm being called into as a profession. The challenge with that, however, is that it's not a profession that you can go to school for. Now, my degree in psychology really helps because it gives the analytical side to the energetic, you know, uh, ethereal, you know, boundless side of myself. So it makes a nice coupling. And so it has evolved as a profession over the years. And the things that I used to do in my sessions that I used to do with people a long time ago is completely different than what I do now. Well, what do you what do you find is like the most difficult thing that you deal with when you're working at, in the profession as an intuitive when you're doing either corporate or personal sessions? Um, what what is really hard for you to deal with? You know, there's a couple things that really come to mind when you ask me that question. Long time ago and over the years, I used to feel like I was on call for everybody. In other words, because I have this gift and I feel like it's a gift that was given to me to be used in the world, 
I had this crazy idea that I was supposed to do it for everybody at any time, anywhere, in any circumstances. I'll give you an example. I mean, one of the most outrageous ones was I was getting a facial, you know, a downtime, quiet time like everybody else. And I think what happens when you meet somebody like me, people get overwhelmed. Like their first thought is, well, I want to ask her a question. And so that's what this lady did. She asked me a question right in the middle of my facial. And I thought to myself, lady, you don't want what I'm giving you right now because what people need to understand is that I was doing my thing. I was regenerating myself. So I think the biggest thing I've learned in the last couple of years doing all this is that I have a right to say no to people. I have a right to say, you know what, you can make an appointment with me because quite frankly, you don't want me to be half in your energy and half mine in my own energy. You want me completely aligned with what your energy is, is what the universe is saying or whatever, however you want to say it. And you want me to be completely at your disposal. And so what people have to understand is you can't just turn it on and off when you're in the middle of something else. So I've learned to put boundaries on my own expertise, which is really well, hard. You have to. Yeah. And, and you have to. And, and it's, it's interesting the way that you explain the situation because so many people in the general public, I'm sure, think it's kind of a parlor game, you know. Right. Come on, Jillian, tell me what you see. What what's going to happen? And and it's not. I mean, I've had sessions with you, and to me, they were more of a teaching tool, more of not a fortune telling, futuristic kind of experience. It was, you know, you telling me things about myself that would make either make the change or this is the possibility of, of what can happen in your life. But if you do this, here's another possibility. So it's, to me, it's all about the possibilities, whether we're using um, our gut instinct again, or our free will, you know, all of these things coming together um, and working with you makes our decision-making process a little bit different. Absolutely, and well put. I mean, at this point in my life, what I've realized is that a session with myself or anyone else that's gifted and good at their job, because let's be honest, there's a lot of people that are doing the same thing I'm doing, but have not put in as much effort into learning their craft because for me I work on my craft all the time albeit I don't go to school for it but I meditate I listen I read I sit quietly I ask the internal questions that need to be asked to be a better intuitive so I can grow in my own craft so what people have to understand is that when you come to me or someone like me, you have to be willing to do the work and do your part of what the information that grew. 
you. Good time to let your listeners know how to get in touch with you because not only do you do corporate sessions and um, leadership development program on college campuses, but you also do individual private sessions, which can be done one-to-one in person, or you can do through email or Skype or phone. Um, so there's several different ways. I know that you you can be contacted and people can take advantage of, of what you have to offer. So the best way to get a hold of me is to go through my website, which is JillianMossBackman.com. I know it's long, J-I-L-L-I-A-N-M. A-A-S-B-A-C-K-M-A-N.com. Or you can find me on Twitter by the same thing or Instagram. I think I'm Jillian Time over there or Facebook. And, you know, Delilah, one of my favorite things that has come out of this whole Internet explosion is that I love doing Internet chats like Skype and those kind of things. Because I can do it all over the world. You know, I travel a lot. So wherever I'm at, I can do private sessions, which is awesome. And, you know, it is. That's exciting. It really is because I don't have to be directly in, in front of someone. And to be honest with you, my clients come and go. And I really like this. I've had clients that I've worked with for years. And, you know, clients really don't come to me unless they're at a crossroads in their life or they have a crisis or they need new direction. And so they kind of come in clumps. In other words, we'll have maybe four sessions once a week. And then I won't hear from them like two or three months. Then they'll show up again. So the nice thing about my clients is they're pretty self-sufficient, which is what I want, and which I believe every intuitive should have the same goal. I don't like clients to be obsessed, and I don't like clients to not do the work. So in my sessions, and my number, I forgot my number. Let me put that out there. It's 262-812-3445. You can always find me there. Silly. What, what do you what do you feel like is your favorite tool to use? And um, when when you're doing sessions, and and again, I go back to my own experience with you, and mm. and it being more of a teaching session rather than you just talking to me about what's going on. Um, but what kind of things do you recommend that your uh, that your clients develop for themselves? I think it goes along with what you just said, in the sense that. We can't, it's not like, it's not like going to a therapist where you're going to, you have to be there every week at a certain time and you can't go beyond without the the guidance of, of the person. Um, I feel like what you do is, is a lot different. It's, it's okay. Here are your tools. You do, I'll teach you how to develop them and then you go on. You know, one of my favorite things to do, and I'm not kidding, is I really like to work with clients that are working on the wholeness of themselves. And what I mean by that is they're working on their physical side, they're working on their mental health side, and I fill in a gap 
that a lot of other professionals cannot and are not willing to look at, which is the spirit side of ourselves, that soulful part of ourselves. I have a lot of clients that go to regular therapists every week, which is great. And then my sessions flow right into what they're doing, and it's actually a beautiful combination. But in my sessions, I talk more about energy. I talk about the soul part of ourselves and the spirit. And what I mean by spirit, I'm not talking about some kind of religious aspect. What I'm talking about is every person has a spirit to themselves. What makes them happy? What makes them giggle? What makes them what makes them sad? What makes them sorrowful? Those kind of things. And for some reason, I'm able to unlock some energies or different areas that are blocked by the other modalities that they use. For instance, in the mental health institutes, they talk about the intellectual talk. They talk about the feelings, but I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about the unconscious part of ourselves that we just can't put our finger on. So in my sessions, I always give assignments. Now, I used to kind of skirt around that word, meaning, you know, nobody likes assignments and nobody likes exercises, but I used to try to call it something different. But then I got to a place where it's like, no, this is work too. If you go to a a doctor, the doctor prescribes things for you to do. I do the same thing in my sessions. This is what you need to do. Now, are they hard? Probably not sometimes, but the biggest one is always listen to your own gut. I've always told people it's easy to get the messages for yourself. It's the practical application that nobody wants to do. So we talk about the steps on how to get from your gut feelings that you're getting and I'm getting with you and how to put it in practical form in your life. Well, then it's it's kind of like a a compatible, um, what am I trying to say, a compatible piece to people's overall health and wellness, whether it be physical, mental, or spiritual, um, or intuitive health. And, you know, it, this, is, this is a very health-conscious society that we're living in right now. And for people to ignore this part of it, they're leaving out probably the most important part of it, don't you think? Well, I certainly think so, obviously, for for obvious reasons. And I like I, I want to key in on something what you said there, Delilah, which is intuitive health. I think that describes what we're talking about in in, in a plethora of ways. Because a lot of people get the gut, a lot of people get the feelings, but sometimes what people come to me is a confirmation of what they already know. A lot of times I say things that they already have felt in their heart, in their soul. They need confirmation from me that, yes, I feel and sense the same thing. But then the second part of the story is how are we going to get there? How are we going to 
work on getting to the place where your gut feeling lines up with your actions. And I think that's the gap that I feel that that other modalities don't seem to get together. What type of actions um, are in your action plan? Just some, some examples. Well, one of my biggest thing is, you know, relationships. I work with relationship issues a lot. I work with business issues a lot. And I work with self-worth issues a lot. I like working with individuals. I work with I work with groups, but I like how individuals work within groups, let's say. So one of the things that really I have honed in on a lot is a person that's, let's, let's give an example of when a person is in a very hard, bad relationship, and they really want to get out of it. One of the things I tell people many times, and this is if you're not in danger, let's make that disclaimer. When you're in a dark relationship, let's call it, the energy between you is just scattered energy. So when you hear people getting out of a relationship and then they go and do it again, What I tell people is a lot of times we try to do the physical first, which is pulling away physically first. And a lot of times that rebounds and they go back. They don't find their way to another way. For me, I work backwards. I tell people to start working on separating the energy and the feelings and the sensing first. And put the physical aspect of leaving at the end. Those are the kind of things. In other words, there's programs and different uh, exercises I tell people to teach them how to start separating their energy. Well, and that makes such perfect sense, really. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard it put quite this way, but it does make perfect sense, especially if you're in a um if you're in that bad relationship, because if you don't separate the energy first, then separating physically puts you in more danger in in many cases. Um, But while wouldn't you say that during this process of separating the energies that your gut instinct, which is what we're working on, your gut instinct is going to tell you when that time to physically separate is going to be best for you? Absolutely. Because the more you work on separating, and one of the exercises I give, I'll give you an example, is to start seeing your energy as a magnet and pulling all of your energy and your feelings and your reactions away from another person and center it back in yourself. Those take time, you know, because it's like breaking a habit, you know, because a lot of times we don't stand up for ourselves. We don't talk. This is what you can do if you're not ready to speak the words. You can at least start taking the energy back to yourself. So the more that you do that, at some point, you'll beginning to see yourself separate energetically from this person, and eventually, yes, you'll know when to leave. 
I can't tell well, you it, how many people, I'm sorry, don't know what their own energy feels like. And that's kind of sad, isn't it? Oh, it's 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 horrible. And, you know, and I don't want to get off on a tangent. We can talk about it later. But with meditation, this is why a lot of people can't really get into meditation is because they can't even sit with their own energy because they don't know what it feels like. Well, you brought up a word, another word that I think mm-hmm. is very relevant in this discussion, and it's addiction. Um, a lot of times in relationships, don't you feel like people, their energies or whatever it is, they're addicted to each other. They're addicted to the drama, the chaos, and if they don't have it, they're going to create it. And how do you get beyond that? And and in, in not only in a relationship, but let's say addiction to whatever source the person may be addicted to. Well, part of the problem with all that is that the more you get down into something, an addiction or a, an obsession, quite frankly, the more you lose sight of what it feels like to be in the world of your own. And the only way I can describe it is when I go out in the world I feel like I'm in a bubble. You know, people in psychology, they talk about that bubble around you. Well, that actually does exist. There's a science now that says that each person has an energy source around them, okay? The more you get into something unhealthy, the more that dissipates in the world. So it it, it starts taking over you, and that energy is so muted, you can't see yourself outside that addiction or that abusive or obsession. So energetically and spiritually, your spirit starts dying. Now, our spirit never dies within ourselves, but it certainly does become very lowbrow, and you can barely feel with it. So that's why I tell people, if you're in that situation, the first order of business is to start gathering back those pieces of yourself so you can start feeling it and then move from the next direction. Where do you find these pieces? I mean, it's, do people tend to not even recognize the pieces of themselves? Yes, that's exactly it. And, you know, when I talk about energetic pieces, I'm not talking about like, like, you know, you can't go buy buy a vowel from, you know, that show. But what I'm talking about is that pieces we give away to other people, energetic chunks. So when I look at people, one of the first things I do when I come into a session is I look at that, that outer energy. And I can tell immediately if there are chunks missing out of it, pieces gone, Colors are muted. A lot of gray tones are involved. The more that you get ingrained in some kind of dysfunctional whatever, the more that becomes not prominent. So when I talk about pieces, I talk about bringing that stuff back in, whether that's a person, whether that's an addiction. They leave holes in your shield, so to speak, in that egg that we see 
energetically or you can see on an x-ray, you know, some kind of special thing, you can actually see where the holes are. And the more that you've been involved with dysfunctionality from childhood on, the wider those gaps become. And the only person that can get that back is yourself. And then, and this person may have lived that way since childhood, and that is their right. normal to be right. scattered and, and everything. And they don't understand or feel or know what it's like to be completely whole. That makes right. perfect sense. And that's the kind of things I start working on. And you see how regular modalities don't even touch that. Because if you look at people and people say, ah, oh, she went and did it again, he went and did it again, got the same kind of person, that's because the energy is used to it, it's their normal, and they're going to pull in what their normal is. Aha. Uh-huh. So let me just switch things up a little bit. Back mm-hmm. to you. Back yes, to you. you. Instead of you giving away all this great information, let's go back to Jillian. So as you've as you've developed all of this throughout the years, who has been your teachers or your mentors or who do you look for for inspiration and maybe read their books and where do you learn um your craft, as you say, you, you develop your craft. Where do you learn all of this? You know, the, the entire industry as a whole has just grown in leaps and bounds. And in my book, I talk about we're in the next phase of intuitive living, meaning it's not so on the fringes anymore. It's more about people learning how to do it themselves and finding teachers that help them along the way. The one that's been around for a very long time, and I look at longevity, P.S. I'm not one of these kind of people that jump on the bandwagon for the newest people that come through. And so I really like Carolyn Mace. She's had longevity. She has a religious background. She has degrees. Her books and her theories are just on point for me. And the other one, I do like Andrew Harvey. I've had him on my show a couple times, and he's a prodigy of Carolyn Mays. I like him a lot. I like his sacred activism that's out there. And my fun one that I like listening to is Doreen Virtue. I like her because, you know, people get caught up in tarot cards and angel readings and all that kind of stuff. I love doing that kind of stuff, but I don't live my life by it. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I don't know if that's because I have an analytical background with my degree in psychology. But, you know, this kind of work can get very heavy for people. You know, when you're asking people to look at the energetic and the subconscious side of themselves and to make some big changes in their life, you got to do some kind of fun things to lighten it up. Now, Carolyn Mace is is more intellectual like my work, but Doreen Virtue, I like her stuff because it just gives a nice little spin. What's wrong with drawing one of her angel cards every day? Like a mantra. What What's wrong with that? I don't see anything evil. I don't see anything malice. I don't. And she has a pure heart. 
And I like the way that she presents herself in the world. She's kind of flighty. She's kind of ethereal. She's totally different than I am. You know, I like to have fun and I, I enjoy, I love laughing. But I also like those kind of things that just lighten the mood, you know, and I think those tools should be placed and honored for what they are. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, this is a, like you say, a very heavy industry sometimes. It can be for mm-hmm. some people. And it's kind yeah. of the, um, everything has its place, but what's wrong with having fun with it too or making light of certain things? It's It, it has to be in order to balance things. It can't be serious all the time. And wouldn't you say that it's... Would you describe your industry, and I'm calling it an industry, uh, maybe a combination of science and, well, especially the way with your background, with your psychology degree and so forth, you have the science to back up what you're doing. Um, Is it a combination of science and and religion or spirituality, or, or does that just not even come into the equation? Well, you mean for my work or just in general? Well, either both. Yeah, I mean, for my work, it, it it has allowed me to not topple over to what I call the woo-woo side. And there's nothing wrong with people that are really into all of what the spiritual slash intuitive work is. I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you keep tethered in reality. I mean, I, I love law of attraction. Don't get me wrong because I use it all the time and I believe it. And a lot of people, if you don't understand what law of attraction is, there was a group years ago that started this phenomenon with Oprah called law of attraction. And what it means is, that if you put thoughts out and you meditate on this thought and you make it, see it as a reality, which is visual, you know, visual, whatever, it will become in your life. I really believe in that. But the other part to the part, the, the flip side of that, however, is that doesn't mean you still have to not do the hard work to get there. In my sessions, I really work backwards. A lot of times I see where we're going, maybe two to five years ahead of everybody else, maybe a year ahead, and then we work backwards. That's how I work in my sessions. Here's the goal I see and sense. Here's where I think we need to go. You need to process it through and figure out together the steps to get there. That's how I work in my own intuition. So I think the industry as a whole has gone through this whole pendulum where we went way over to one side, you know, like almost magic. If we think it, it'll happen. I see the industry as a whole coming back and centering itself like, okay, now that the the excitement is over, and I call it the Hollywood phase in my book, Beyond the Pews, now you center in and say, okay, it's a tool in my toolbox of what I need to do next in all aspects of my life. That's how I see it. 
So this whole, I mean, this whole new age movement, I mean, it's been around for a long time. It's <laughs> yeah. been growing and growing. Um, but in my own opinion, I don't see, I don't see you as one of the new agers. I'm, I may be wrong, but there's, I think publicly there's so much out there that people discount and yes, there are good parts of it. Yes, there are bad parts of it. Just like any faith-based thing out there, you're going to find people who go over the edge and people who don't do enough. And like you say, I think it's, it's so important to find the balance and find the middle and, and make the compromises that we have to in our lives and in our society. And rather than discount everything over here because it's labeled new agey or woo woo or whatever the label might be, um, that it, it's not, doesn't necessarily make it all good or all bad. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, what I was going to key in there is that, you're right. I've never considered my part myself a part of New Age. I had a wellness center for a long time. I'm an esthetician. I've been in radio for 15 years on FM. Now I'm over at Internet. I have been out in the world for a long time, and I go back to my original statement, which is I have always seen this a part of myself as an integrated, mindful part of who I am. So for me, when people call it new age, it, it separates itself out from something over here in a pile and the rest of our personality and who we are and what we are over here. So for me, it, it's, it's just incredulous to say that it's new age or it's something different when I have to literally pick apart the pieces inside me to teach other people that it's within me. So I've never seen it apart. And you're right. I have never seen myself as a part of the new age community, simply because I've always seen it as an integrative part of who and what I am and everybody else. And because of that, I've never done psychic fairs. The other thing I've never done is done readings on the air. You know, when I was with my radio station, which I loved, WLKG in Lake Geneva, we had this long conversation with the manager of the station, which is a really good friend of mine, and we had conversations about doing readings on air. And, of course, her perspective was, you know, it'll bring a lot of people to the yard, and they'll love it, and, you know, people will, it, it'll make the show more popular, and I absolutely said no. Because that's not the way I see what I do in the world. It's not a tchotchke. It's not a new age thing that you can call up, tell somebody a life story, or, you know, somebody's doing this behind your back and that, and thank you for calling. Now go on your way. I don't see my work like that, and I hope other people don't see this kind of work like that. So, yes, I do take it very seriously, and I hope, my hope is that we're getting away from that kind of stuff, Delilah. But you still think it's out there? I think it is still out there to a certain extent. I, I don't think that 
I, I like the way you explained everything, the way you work as compared to. I don't see the label. I don't see where you can you fit into where the labels are and what the public perceives um, because of these labels. And, and it could be, you know, that's probably one of the reasons it's more difficult for you to break into some of the big, big venues. So, so to speak, because you don't fit the mold. Yeah. I mean, you know, as my publicist, uh, Delilah is my publicist. How many times have we redone my card, gone through this discussion of what do we call myself? Because everybody has something on their card, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, I work at so-and-so, and this is what I do. And you're right. I mean, I have had a difficult time defining what I am because what I started out is different than what I am now. And I keep on growing as an intuitive, learning more about what I do and cannot do. And it is hard to define for people. I think that has been the hardest part of this whole journey. I have to agree. I mean, you know, we even even through the lifespan of the Internet, we see a lot of words. Words are very powerful, and they're very powerful on the Internet because that's how we are communicating more so. Um, now we're getting into visual images and video and so forth. But in the beginning, it was basically words. So labels became a little more important in, in the definition of who, what, when, and where. Um, but I think as as the Internet has been growing over the years, the labels like expert and coaching and guru and some of those words – are losing their, they're so oversaturated. I think that's right. what the problem is. Everything is so oversaturated very quickly. And I think the most important part of this statement is the fact that you are the longevity because you don't have a label. <laughs> that's oh, the way I really? would see this. That's what it is? <laughs> that's oh. the way I would like to see this because it's very difficult to put a label on what you do and because again you don't fit into the absolute mold of of what the public perception is and and your work doesn't either i think you know that's and that's what sets you apart in my opinion that's what sets you apart from you know all the the woo woo or all the super religious or or even atheism. So, you know, I, I would walk proud with that, Jillian, walk proud. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and I've gotten to a place now where I know the rhythm of how I work. I will say that, like, and there's a calmness to my work now. Before I used to question, am I doing it right? Is it okay? Are they going to, you know, my client's going to be happy with the work? And now I've gotten to the place where I've done so many clients and understand how I work in that parameter, whether that's with private clients, whether that's with my corporate, you know, gatherings I do, or the newest and greatest part that I'm loving is the leadership aspect with my uh, partner, Jan Bilgen, and teaching the next generation on how to use it so I don't in that generation, you don't have to undo habits. 
you don't I don't have to go against preconceived ideas because they've grown up with it. The parents, thank goodness, have been open enough to allow them to breathe into their own intuition, which I love. So I don't have to start from the beginning. I can say, okay, tap into what you know and feel within your heart. So it's really kind of a neat evolution to my own work. But one of the things that you talk about words in my sessions, I specifically tell people, I give them assignments before I even get on line with them, which is, you know, come up with one or two questions or areas you want to go to. I think that's extremely important. And then when we, once we get on together, whether that's via phone, in person, for some reason, I come up with two or three words and I write them at the top of a piece of paper that defines where we're going to go for the entire hour. It's fascinating to me. And I don't, you know, that's where I channel the words into first, and then it kind of subscribes the path for which we go. It's fascinating and it's interesting, and I never know or have a preconceived idea of what that's going to be until the words come out. So I agree with you. Words are extremely important. Oh, they are. They hold a lot of power. They they definitely do in, in, in many, many aspects of our lives, not just what we read, but what we say. And, and it, it generates feelings. Words actually generate feelings. And I think, you know, is that's probably the goal of every author out there is to be able to use their words to generate the feelings for their readers. And as we're talking now, a message is coming through and this is how I work. So everybody listen and follow along with the bouncing ball. We're about done with this hour, but here's the thing that I just, that just came to me. Animals are going to become very important in everyone's lives. I'm not sure what that means yet, but what I'm being shown right now and um, able to see is that everybody has access to the animals. And whether you communicate with your animals, like a lot of people do, or just be present with them, for some reason... Animals are starting to step to the front to show us our own insecurities, our viciousness to the innocent. I'll give you an example. The gorilla incident showed us and reflected back a lot to us. The incident with the little boy and the alligator. The little girl, the the mother just that just her son was being attacked by the lion in the backyard. I'm not sure what that's all about, but what I'm being shown right now is that people need to pay attention to the animals and what their innocence is reflecting back to us is how we have become callous to the rhythms of how the natural and nature works within Oh. <laughs> well, and and what and the examples that you just gave are are basically animals in an aggressive mode. And could they not have picked up this 
aggressiveness from the way that humans are treating each other in, in this world right now. We're very violent. We're very aggressive. Um, and the animals maybe have picked up on that and they're mimicking what they're feeling, what their gut is telling them. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. You know, they, they seem, these particular instances especially seem to be violent acts by animals, which are maybe instinctive to that particular animal as well, but, you know, made, it made the news. Yeah. And the other part to the story on that, Delilah, is that it's, it's being perpetrated to the most innocent, which is an interesting, yeah, right. an, an interesting aspect to all of that. Their their aggressiveness, and you and you're probably right. Are they picking up on our own aggression to the most innocent people that are being hurt the most? Mm. I'm not sure. This but is what an I interesting can see, topic. I know. And what I can see is that it's going to continue. Any way that we can change the course. Well, I think one of the things that that's coming through is that, yes, we can change the course. Do I think it's going to be something that we can magically do? No, but just the cruelty that's coming out on the internet towards parents, the animals, the, I think people need to take a reflective view of how indignant we've become and also how desensitized we have become. Very much so. Yes. Well, I didn't mean to take a turn like that, but. <laughs> well, that's what's so great about this. We you, we go where we go. Yeah. That's great. And I think that we, and, and you asked the question, how can we do it? I think we need to look at the pets we have in our own home. I think everything starts at home, don't you? I do, obviously. And mm-hmm. it, it goes back to that energy of. What are you putting out there? Are you a wounded energy source? Are you one that's been abused? Are you one that's abusing? And I think the reflection shows up in the animals that you own to begin with. Right. It makes perfect sense. I, I you know, and I was just going to post something on Facebook. Well, now I'm now that I'm saying this, my cat talks to me all day long. It drives me crazy. <laughs> So what? So what is she reflecting back to Lila? That I'm a talker. I talk too much. I <laughs> I talk for she's a communicating living. with you. Oh my lord! She's you know it's like cat already. Stop talking. So maybe she's I... trying to tell you something that you're not picking up on yet. <laughs> what? She's what? having a session with you. <laughs> Well, I guess we're just about done. Thank you for this. I'm enjoying it. I think the next one we're going to do is on intuition and leadership development and why it's necessary. How exciting. It is. I I can't wait to dig into that one. I know. Me either. Thanks. You did a wonderful job uh, picking my brain on what what really happens out in the world with my own – with my own – 
ideologies and how I see the intuitive world. Well, I think the world needs to know you. Well, bless you. And thank you for going on the ride with me. (laughs) Yeah, it's fun. Well, until next time, and we'll talk about leadership and development, please stay tuned for the summer series with Jillian. Thanks for joining Jillian today. Don't miss her famous at-home personal enrichment lessons. You can complete them on your own time to accelerate your personal change. They're simple and nothing like you've experienced before. Just like Jillian, warm and fuzzy with an attitude. So change already.